We acknowledge that this podcast is recorded on the unceded, ancestral, and occupied traditional territory of the Anishinaabe Nation, the people of the three fires known as Ojibwe, Odawa, and Potawatomi Nations. And furthermore, we thank the Chippewa of Saugeen and the Chippewa of Nawash, now known as the Saugeen Ojibwe Nation, who are the traditional keepers of this land. As we live, work, surf, and play, we say mahalo to the Métis, Inuit, and Indigenous peoples of Turtle Island and from around the world who have stewarded these lands and sacred surf spots for thousands of years. We recognize their amazing resilience in the face of ongoing oppression and injustice. We believe that for true healing to occur, we must reflect and make serious changes while working together as we move forward in truth and reconciliation. We can be better, we can do better. Aloha, freshies. Welcome to Permastoked. I'm your host, Derek Hyatt. In this podcast, we talk to surfers and stand-up paddleboarders from across the Great Lakes, Canada, the U.S., and beyond. We take a peek into their lives and find out what it means to be stoked. Is it a natural state of euphoria, elation, a relentless commitment? I also talk to other Permastoked individuals, such as artists, entrepreneurs, filmmakers, musicians, philanthropists, yogis, and much more. Join us each week in learning from these experts and enthusiasts while being inspired by their undying passion, insights, and rad tales. Permastoke is presented by Freshwater Surf Goods, your surf brand devoted to spreading the stoke across the unsalted seas and cultivating pride amongst the surf community. We do this by providing products and apparel that celebrate the awesomeness of both Great Lakes and Canadian surf culture. Stand out in the tribe by rocking our gear. But hey, don't just stand around on the beach looking cool. Check out our Stoke Academy and try surfing and stand-up paddleboarding. Get away into beautiful Owen Sound, Sauble Beach, or Grey Bruce, where we offer Paddle Canada certified basic and advanced subcourses, tours, sub-surfing, and even beginner surfing lessons. Visit www.freshwatersurfgoods.com to sign up for your freshwater fantasy today. Want to get your zen on? Check out SUP Yoga and our Great Vibes Yoga, Meditation, and Healing classes. Aloha is a life force energy of loving and living in harmony. Through movement, meditation, and breath, our classes allow you to connect with your true self so you can spread great vibrations and the spirit of aloha throughout the global consciousness. Enjoy community and a chill atmosphere filled with great vibes and sacred ancient teachings delivered with humor and integrity. Welcome back. Looks like we're in for some stormy weather. Hope you're all getting your surf on. Hey, you're here listening. In this episode, you get to hear me chat with pro surfer and American hoser Kevin Schultz. That's right, hoser. Why do I call him a hoser? Because this 26-year-old San Clementine has been made an honorary Canadian after falling in love with both the Great Lakes and East Coast swell its people, and of course, this guy loves his Tim Hortons sour cream glazed donuts. Though being true to his American roots, he's also a bit of a cowboy, or specifically, an air cowboy. Designed by Perfect Swell, the people at American Wave Machines created the Freak of the Peak to launch surfers as high as possible, 
with no resemblance of a normal wave, nor does it mimic the ocean in any way. Kevin performed a backflip so casually at the 2019 Stab High event in Waco, Texas, that it was during a practice, but it was such a standout that it was deemed the biggest air landed, resulting in a 10K award to Kevin. Other interesting facts about Team USA's Kevin Schultz, uh, other than the fact that he shares the same last name as the writer of the Peanuts comics, he loves coffee, he rides Goofy Foot, and he has a Siberian Husky. And we also go into this interview, you also learn a little bit more too, some interesting stuff about his family and his dad as a fireman and the impact that that's had on his life and uh, the heart that he's developed through all these things. Um, his heart seems to really be in the right place. It was great talking to Kevin, really humble guy, the future of surfing, the future of air, Kevin Schultz. Hope you guys love this episode. It was recorded on March 1st, 2021, so it's going back a little ways. And to be honest, I didn't re-listen to it, so I don't think they're swearing. But hey, as always, listener discretion is advised. Kevin Schultz, welcome to the Permastoke Podcast, bro. How's it going, dude? Good, Derek. How are you, man? Thanks for having me on. Dude, I'm amazing. It is awesome to have you here talking to you from San Clemente, California, right? Yes, sir. Uh, bright and sunny San Clemente. It's been sunny for the last uh, 20 days, it feels like. Haven't seen a cloud. Wow. As I'm looking out the window at a blizzard. I'm actually pretty jealous, man. I uh, haven't really been able to get to my my yearly strike mission to Canada and like uh, I kind of crave the snow and um, surfing in the snow is like one of my favorite things. And it's been a bit heartbreaking to not be able to get up there. Nice. So I was hoping to get to this a little later, but you, you bring in Canada up right off the get go. So Kevin, you have been one of the most requested guests that I've had for the show. And you know, I relocated from, I'd been living out West for the past 12 years. So I started surfing on the Great Lakes. Then I was out on the West Coast. Now I'm back. And it seems like you are very popular amongst the Great Lakes surfing crowd uh, in Toronto. Lots of people asking for you. So why does Canada love Kevin Schultz? Dude, uh, Canada, I've, I've kind of had like this oh gosh, maybe 10 year relationship with, with Canada and the people and all my friends that are there. Um, it started back, well, 10 years ago, I met a guy, Scotty Sharon, who is from Nova Scotia and he was interning at surfing magazine. And, um, he, he was just such a cool dude. We were working on, um, some photos for the Grom issue they had coming out, like the NSSA issue that they were putting out. And, um, he was like, Kev, you got to come up and visit me at home sometime. Come check out, like, would love to show you around, around where I live and kept showing me these photos of these point breaks and like left point breaks that I was just drooling over as a goofy footer. So, uh, I took him up on that offer when I was probably 17, 16 or 17. Oh, wow. And that was my first trip to Canada. I went to Nova Scotia. I met Scotty there. and. Um, and then Logan Landry as well. And those guys were just 
awesome. They were so hospitable and they showed me their spots and took me surfing and let me sleep in their house, you know, and like just kind of gave me this really amazing experience and then throw like the best waves I've ever seen in my life on top of it. Um, I was just, I fell in love immediately. And realistically, the first time I went to Canada, I'd only explored a very small amount of the territory that they surf. So I kind of had this weird draw to, to just go and visit and the cold didn't bother me, man. I, I, I don't mind wearing a wetsuit and just, so I think all these different factors kind of kept me coming back to Canada and the people were, were a big part. So fast forward a little bit, visited the West coast, went to Tofino. I met that whole crew, Pete DeVries, Noah Cohen, Nate Laverty, all those guys, like, and same kind of experience. You know, I felt like I was just brought into their community. Mm. And then two years later or three years later, I found myself in Toronto and found myself surfing on the great lakes, which was always like a, like, I feel like this is so cliche to say, but it felt like a bucket list thing. Yeah. And that's what I'm hearing a lot. Right. But after experiencing the great lakes, it was like, gosh, the wave quality was actually so solid. And it was, it was, it was a pleasant surprise. Yeah. And same thing, dude, the community, the people like, um, Larry and Anthony and Lucas and all those guys, they were just so inviting and it was such a warm welcome and gosh, I had such a good time. So that was, that's like a brief history, my brief history that I've had with Canada. Um, so Canada loves you, but it sounds like, dude, you love Canada right back, man. I, I absolutely do. I've had nothing but good experiences and like the lakes was really special. I was, uh, I was pleasantly surprised and it was so fun. And like just the stoke on the lakes was so cool. I, I'd never experienced anything like it, man. It was insane. So what was it? Um, I haven't seen any video footage of that. Is there any video footage of your great lakes time or there? It's not out yet. Oh, okay. Um, so I went with a friend, Mike Bromley, and they're working on putting a piece out right now. Um, and I can assure you it is, it is going to be cool. Um, okay. yeah, I I've been talking to those guys a little bit and I think it's, I think realistically it's coming out in the next, don't quote me on this, but I think within the next six months or okay. less, um, those guys have been working hard on it and it's going to kind of, in, I think it's pretty inclusive of a lot of Canada. So oh, okay. there's going to be some different things and, and the lakes is a big highlight of that. And, Oh, so this is going to show East Coast, West Coast, and the lakes? Supposedly, yes. Nice. I don't know too many details, but uh, I, I believe it is. And, yeah, and those guys have been working crazy. hard, and I've seen some of their past work, and it's really good, so I can't wait for it to kind of come out and like wow. reinvigorate the stoke of, of lake surfing. Yeah, so you're a surfer. You spend most of your time on the coast, but, dude, you're looking like an Albertan cowboy right now. I know you like that, <laughs> like that cowboy hat. I love that. Yeah, that's uh, it's become my it's become my everyday hat. I just feel I feel more one with this hat than most of my other ones. Amazing. So when you I saw your face when you were describing the way people treat you in Canada, it's like you lit up. So 
I mean, how does that compare to regular surfing in California? I mean, is it a, does it have a dark side or what is it that was so attractive about Canada? You know, I, I've been so fortunate to, to meet good people everywhere I go and everywhere I've traveled. And, um, like, I guess anywhere you go, there's always some form of like localism vibe. Um, and, and as a traveling surfer, you never want to, um, cross any boundaries or step on anybody's toes or, or, or disrespect the atmosphere that they call their home. Um, and just comparatively like traveling to the lakes, I felt like we were brought in to the local community so quick, you know, we didn't have to like beat around the bush or, or, uh, walk on eggshells per se. It, it was just kind of, Hey, I'm Kevin. Nice to meet you. And they were just the, the lake surfing community was so quick to bring us in mm. and not, not that that's different in California. I, I, like I said, I've encountered some amazing people everywhere I go. So I don't want to talk negatively in, about anywhere, but, um, like, I, I feel like I just encounter more of that localism vibe in, okay. in in california some places like a little more protective over certain spots and I, i'm sure that's prevalent on the lakes but i didn't really experience it so i i can't yeah. attest to it per se right on right on so but, even someone of your stature you know in the big leagues um you still get some resistance sometimes when you go to spots out there yeah i guess uh i mean some it's so funny. Some people see stickers on boards or, or, um, th that's a thing when I'm traveling, I, I usually have, a, a somebody who's filming or shooting photography and, um, you, you just want to be mindful of your surroundings. And I try so hard not to encroach on anybody's territory and kind of be mindful of those no fly zones per se. Oh, okay. um, like there's certain spots that, we just try not to film or, or post the backdrop above or, or post on social media. And I've gotten some flack for it. I think most surfers who have a social media account um, that they're trying to make a living off of is, have probably encountered something similar. Yeah. It, it just, it comes with the territory, man. And realistically, I just want to kind of portray that stoke and, 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 it's going to happen anywhere you go, but as long as I can be mostly a good influence, then I'm stoked and, and, right. and stoke out the local community. That's huge for me. Nice. Yeah. It's funny. You said that. Um, I've noticed that too. My, you know, social media following is still in its infancy, but it's just a little over a thousand, but I've had some guys here from town. They would not let me know their spots because they fear uh, what I could do with that information, having, you know, a public persona. Right. So I get that. Yeah. Meanwhile, we're yeah. not out here to make it rough for anybody. We're just here to celebrate it. Right. So. A absolutely. And, and there's still a way to do that. You know, it's like, I, I guess just like you said, if we're just mindful and we're not posting the exact geographic location of said spot and it takes a lot of work to get to know like what makes certain spots tick and especially on the lakes yeah that is it's so important you got to know your wind direction and 
and how much when there's going to be when it's going to hit and like that was something i was looking into a lot before i traveled to the lakes was just looking at kind of the bathymetry and everything um and seeing how wind would affect certain spots because i was talking to some of the guys like lake superior actually gets groundswell mm-hmm. and here on and erie were a little uh less sh- or they're more shallow so they kind of are traditionally shorter period intervals because they're smaller lakes and that was really cool to me it was kind of like learning a whole new way of forecasting with mm. wind and not looking at like long range swell charts you know yeah yeah dude it you don't know how much it warms my heart to hear you talking like this um, I started surfing on Lake Erie in about 1999, and when I went away, I, I left for a while and was on the ocean, and the scene here basically blew up, especially around Toronto. I mean, on the U.S. side, there had been more happening for a while, but on the Canada side, it wasn't what it is now. So coming back, it just blows my mind to see the excitement, to hear like from a pro like yourself even um to have that on your bucket list meanwhile 20 years ago it was it was a joke to a lot of people it was just a joke so to see how the pendulum has swung to see that turn it it's incredible and i think uh we have a long road ahead of us surfing in canada it's still very young and but we got those great lakes so i'm excited to see what's going to happen with all that Absolutely, man. And I've kind of, I've noticed that there's a younger generation of surfers coming up there too. It feels like, I mean, um, I I've been keeping in, t- in contact with a, a, one of the Groms that reached out to me. He lives in Grand Haven, Michigan. His name is Jamison Walter. Okay. And it was really cool to see because that was one of the things I noticed too, when I was traveling to Canada, there weren't a ton of really young surfers, whereas somewhere like yeah. where I live in San Clemente, like I'm paddling out and there's 20, 30 kids out in the morning that are under the age of 10. And that was that I've kind of noticed that there's been younger, a, a younger and younger generation or crop of surfers kind of jumping in the water on the great lakes. And that's big too, wow. for that progression. Like, I, I don't know if you've seen that at all. Has that become that's, more prevalent? Like, that's really interesting to hear you say that. The life, the age range of Great Lakes surfers. You're right. I hadn't thought of it. But now that I think about it, you're right. It is typically, yeah, more young adults or middle-aged people. I feel like Great Lakes surfing is sort of, this thing you find that just livens up your spirit, but it's almost like you were old or mature enough to know that you were searching for something and that's what you found. So I think that's maybe why people come to it a little bit later. You kind of living in this landlocked environment, don't fully know who you are yet. And then you discover surfing and that's why you see people, Great Lake surfers are so stoked because it's all encompassing. I mean, you go on our Facebook groups, it just consumes the lives of Great Lakes surfers. Not to say it doesn't on the ocean, but I think it's just this different level of stoke because our waves are fewer and far between. And we're just, we're grateful because 
in all honesty, we didn't really expect there to be waves. So the fact that there are waves, we're just grateful for it. Totally. And almost having that mindset of, hey, it's freezing cold, like 90% of the time that the we're surfing on the Great Lakes, the wind's onshore, it's freezing, like there's ice chunks, it's snowing, yeah. it's associated with weather. Yeah. And having the mindset of going and being okay with being freezing cold and having like a wind beaten face and icicles hanging off your hood is kind of, it just reminds you that you're, you're still surfing and you're really lucky to be in that spot. And I, I, I find myself trying to bring that stoke out to waves at home too, because like I can, I, I get so caught up sometimes like, Oh gosh, the waves are one, two foot here. And I don't, I'm not surfing. Like it's, it's small, but then I kind of remind myself of the trip. I went on to the great lakes. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I should be <laughs> really excited to be going out and catching waves because I like people would, would pay money to surf what I have in my backyard right now. Yeah. So just kind of incorporating that stuff was, was important to me. And that was a big lesson I learned out there too, is to just be, be appreciative of the waves that kind of come and, and surf them when they're there. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, going back to that age thing, I think part of that is in California, I mean, you guys could get involved in a surfing summer camp, for example, um, or you could get a hold of your friend's board and go try it out without your parents knowing. Um, in Canada or on the Great Lakes, I mean, it's it's a bigger endeavor than that, right? Like you need to usually get a wetsuit and there's more effort to pursue the sport. And I think that that acts as a bit of a barrier um, to people being exposed to surfing. So we're working on that. Dude, that's cool. I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing that younger generation. And yeah, um, I don't know, has there, has there been like a, do you know of a, a surfer who grew up surfing on the lakes that's kind of gone and pursued the QS at all? Like, or jumped in any events? Um, gosh, there's a lot of good surfers that live on the Great Lakes, like, you know, a guy named Burton Rips. And then, the, like I mentioned, Jameson, he's kind of that younger generation. But yeah. do you know of any surfers who, who have, like, gone after a, or tried to pursue the QS? No, I don't. I mean, I know guys who have been in competitions and things that the, what is it? The ESA, the East coast surfing association mm -hmm. um, that is connected to ISA, but I don't think they're getting into the WSL or anything like that. Gotcha. But, yeah. That would be cool though. I think that that's coming. I think that that's something we will see. A hundred percent. Yeah. I, it's a matter of time and like I said, when I went there and kind of experienced that wave quality, if you're willing and committed to go to go find the waves, you could surf pretty often out there. Yeah. Like realistically, I mean, depending on how committed you want to go, you can probably go so far as to say surfing 200 days a year, would you say? If you're traveling, maybe. Yeah. Okay. If you're locked on one break, most likely not. No. Gotcha. Since Canada loves you so much and you love Canada, I've, I've even seen you referred to as sort of like an honorary Canadian. With all that being said, dude, I wanted to test your Canadian knowledge. 
Oh boy. Okay. All right, let's so go. I, I have prepared 10 questions. And now if you don't get it right, hey, at least you got this knowledge under your hat for going forward. Okay. Impress all your new Canadian friends. So all right. All right, man. What Canadian city is referred to as Hollywood North? Hollywood North. Uh, oh, I, I got a guess on this one. Yep. Um, Toronto. No, pretty good guess. There is a lot of filming that happens there, but the majority of filming happens in Vancouver. Okay. A lot of movies, film production, TV shows are filmed there, especially all the uh, like the CW superhero shows and stuff like that. That's right. That's yeah. right. Cheaper okay. to, cheaper to work one. there and good weather. All right. Question number two. How many points are on a maple leaf? Five. Think maybe think this through. <laughs> think of the maple leaf on the flag. Three, four, geez. <laughs> eleven. You gotta get how a, many? You gotta get a Canadian flag up in your eleven. Oh, bo- oh. Think of the bot. You know the bottom one. Yeah. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Yep, eleven. Oh man, I'm gonna get so roasted for this. Wow. Okay, so so far you're two zero zero to two here. All right. Yeah. Number three, along with hockey, what is Canada's other national sport? And I will say these are not the easiest. Canadian trivia questions, but they're not the hardest either. I picked sort of more intermediate for you. Oh, uh, baseball. No. Oh, <laughs> baseball. Right three. Like, baseball is like the most American sport I could think of. <laughs> I know, but the the Blue Jays, man. Yeah. So basketball has some, I think basketball was invented by a Canadian but okay. I believe they were in the U.S., but that's not the answer. I the do sport... know that hockey was invented in Nova Scotia. There you go. I didn't if, even know that. If that counts for anything. Hey, that's something. Well, I, did give you a half I did go to a Raptors game, too. Nice. When I, was in, when I was in Toronto. Right on. So I'll give you half a point for that one. So it is lacrosse. It's lacrosse. Lacrosse, yeah. Wow. Which is originally a First Nations uh, sport. So that's where that would have come from. Okay. Gosh, yeah. dude, I'm blowing it. Three strikes. Okay. You know, I got a good feeling about this next one. Okay. What is the world's tallest freestanding structure? You know this. It's in Canada. The world's tallest freestanding structure? Yep. Dude, now I'm just nervous. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Okay, um, let me give you more hints. It's in Toronto. Oh, the uh, it's the the needle, the the space needle. That's in Seattle. The (laughs) the, 
I I could see it when I stayed in my hotel in Toronto. The CN Tower. Thank you. Yes. But you can go up it like it's a space needle. Yes, that's true. Yes. I I have a picture of it on my phone. Okay. Um, That kind of counts as a half a point. (laughs) Yeah, now I'm now I'm looking at the other questions and I'm thinking, I'm, yeah, I get them wrong. <laughs> but we're let's keep going. Different. Come on, I'll try. It's good. It's educational anyway. Okay, Canada comes from what Iroquois word? So the First Nation or tribe that the word Canada came from. What was that word? I don't know. That's so it's Kanata. K-A-N-A-T-A. I'm not sure if I pronounced that necessarily correctly. Kanata. Kanata, which I believe Kanata. means I'm like, getting my uh I'm getting my honorary Canadian citizenship revoked after this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which I, I believe um means the village or something. You'll get I'm it back, not. man. You your your surfing will redeem you. That's all you need. Okay. <laughs> I'm not sure if you'll know this one either now, but we'll try it. Name, actually, name just one trailer park boy. Bubbles. There you go. Okay, boom, you got one. If I would have asked you to name all three, would you have known? Uh, it's Ricky, Bubbles, and I don't know the other one. Julian. It's Julian. Julian. <laughs> All right. I, that show that show's filmed in Nova Scotia. I know that. It's filmed uh, filmed right up the street from a buddy's house. Yeah, in Dartmouth. Yeah. Not too far. Um, so the US head of state is Joe Biden. Who is Canada's head of state? Uh Trudeau. Or did I miss did I miss the election? It's a bit of a trick question. So you're correct in the fact that because that you guys just elected a new premier, right? Um, or I'm, I'm just sure digging myself into that. it. No, it's okay. Right here. So the it's a bit of a trick question because the question is not who is the Canadian prime minister. If it was who is the Canadian prime minister, Justin Trudeau, you would have been correct. It's a little bit of a sneaky question. Because the head of the state in the U.S. is Joe Biden. He's also your president. But in Canada, our head of state, the person who actually holds all the power but doesn't often execute it, is actually Queen Elizabeth. Gotcha. Yeah. So I, I had I would never have gotten that. Yeah. So that's some good education, though, I think, too. Dude, I'm learn. I'm I came to learn on this. Podcast. Yeah. So in Canada, the way our politics works is, you know, you guys have the the president, and I think the buck kind of stops there. In Canada, we have the prime minister, but then we also have uh, what's called the governor general, who is sort of the spokesperson for the queen, kind of relays the messages. And I don't know. Some people think that it's passe the monarchy should be gone but it but it is still technically part of our uh political system gosh that's cool i didn't know that yeah dude this one is gonna blow your mind i think the 2020 population of the usa was 331 million people 
the 2020 population of Canada, true or false? So if it's 331 million in the US, true or false, Canada's population in 2020 was 200 million. True or false? False. You are correct. False. I, I, I believe the population of California is 42 million, I think. And I know that the population of California is greater than the population of the entirety of Canada. Wow. Okay. That's some insider knowledge there. That's good. That's real good. So the population one. of Canada is 38 million. So you're right. Gotcha. There are 4 million more people in California. That just blows my mind how scarce it is in Canada. Like you go to the city, you think you see a lot of people, but honestly, like it's nothing compared to the States. It sounds like you guys would be living on top of each other. There's so many yeah. of you. Dude, it's, it's, <laughs> it's definitely more, judging by our lineups lately. It's, it's definitely more crowded here. Wow. Um, but that's the cool thing about when I travel to like Halifax or, or Toronto, even I felt like we, we were in the city and could be out of the city in kind of no man's land within 20 minutes. Oh, okay. Whereas here you got to drive a couple hours, two or three hours to really kind of be out of people territory. Um, it's, it's definitely more busy here. Yeah. You know, usually when you go somewhere, I find in Ontario or in Canada, when you're in a town or a city, like you said, when you leave, you have to drive through some country until you get to the next town or city. Whereas like you're saying in the U.S. and I think especially in California, you're, you can be like in one city and then sort of like step into another. Like there's not a clear division all the time. No, not at all. Yeah. I mean, especially Southern California, it's, it's, you kind of, once you get past above LA, um, you get into a bit more farmland territory, but down Southern California, it's like LA. And then you just drop into the subdivisions of LA and then you kind of get into Orange County, which is got its own cities. And then there's a little split between san diego and orange county just with our our military base camp pendleton okay. yeah so that's kind of our little break um but it's still a 10 minute drive to get through that you know it's yeah it's yeah definitely more on top of each other um and as as of the last few months or year i suppose however long this covid thing has been going on it's i actually feel like it's gotten more crowded because more people are are which isn't I, I, I'm not bummed on it, man. I, I, I'm stoked people are getting in the water and it's good. Like I'm happy to see people getting out and exercising, but our lineups have definitely gotten more crowded in the last yeah. year. Everybody's kind of like have some free time and learning new sports and surfing's one of them. Oh, so wow. yeah. And less travel, more people staying at home. So totally. All right, man, you're almost through this. We're on. Yeah, let's keep going. Or, like on these, actually. Yeah, we, we've got two more questions left. Canada is the blank largest country in the world. Blank largest? Yeah, so, it, so how big is in the ranking of countries? 
Is it the the largest, the second, the third, the fourth largest? Going off of uh, like uh, square mile or square square kilometers, basically. Uh, yeah, like actual I, land. Yeah, I mean, you don't even uh, even have to break it down that far. Just think about when you're looking at a globe or a world map. It's the it'd be the first or the second, right? Which one is your final answer? Just trying to think if Russia's bigger or not. I'm going to give it to you because you're on the right track. It is the second. Russia okay. is larger. Okay. Gotcha. That was good, man. You're in the ballpark. In the ballpark. I, yeah. I was like picturing them in my mind next to each other. And Russia just feels like it's got more northern territory on it. Yeah. Geographically. I think it's much wider as well. Other half a point. I think I've got three. Yes. Uh, let's yeah. do the last question yep. and then we'll tell you up. Last question. Name one hockey team that Tim Horton played on. Um, do you play for the Maple Leafs? There you go. Epic. I love Tim Hortons, man. I love Tim Hortons. Okay, so what's your go-to at Tim Hortons? My Tim Hortons go-to is a – or two sour cream glazed donuts. Wow. Good yeah. And a large double-double. And I'll get some form of, like, breakfast sandwich or wrap usually. Ooh. But, dude, like – First thing I do pulling into the airport anywhere in Canada is like double double, large double double from Tim Hortons. Can't stop, won't stop. There's nowhere like even Dunkin' Donuts in the States, you can't like I don't really like Dunkin' Donuts that much. And I feel like that would be the comparison, but Tim Hortons just is so much better, dude. It's so much better. Yeah. Would you say Tim Hortons is sort of in between a Dunkin' Donuts and a Starbucks? It's not as ritzy and fancy as a Starbucks, but I wouldn't say it's as low pro as Dunkin' Donuts either. Yeah, I I think the service is better at Tim Hortons for sure. Oh, okay. Um, just in my personal experience, I yeah. guess. I'm sure there's Dunkin' Donuts out there with great, great service. No offense, Dunkin' Donuts, but Tim Hortons, like, I just feel like you kind of go in there and you get that Canadian hospitality. Um, I would agree with you. Yeah. And the, Oh gosh, the first time I went to Nova Scotia, I had Scotty Sharon take me to a Tim Hortons before we went surfing and it's a weekday and it's kind of busy. Everybody rush hour going to work. And I have, and so everybody's like cycling through this Tim Hortons, like they're moving at a pace. I, I cannot believe. And the, <laughs> the guy tallies me up, whatever. Here's, here's my grand total. It's like $12 or something. I, I must've bought the whole place cause I spent 12 bucks. But anyway, this guy puts out the card thing. And this is right when Canada first got like, or was using the chip and America okay. was still on the swipe program for credit okay. cards. Yeah. So my, I put my credit card in and it shorts out the whole system. Computers crash, like 
they could not reboot. And that meanwhile, the line behind me is just getting exponentially longer. Oh man. And there's just angry, <laughs> angry comedians behind me. And Scotty Sharon turns around and goes like, eh, sorry, he's this is my American friend. <laughs> like, <laughs> dude, I was so embarrassed because I just fully shut down this Tim Hortons and like people in the drive-thru line were like stopped up and just because I tried to put my chip into the credit card reader and it didn't wow. work. And we finally resolved the issue like 10 minutes later, but 10 minutes spent in a Tim Hortons is a pretty long time. I feel like. Wow. Major malfunction. I'm surprised mm-hmm. they just didn't give it to you for free. Oh, I know. I, I, uh, I felt bad, but <laughs> I get, they had to get, they had to get their computer system back up and running. Wow. You lived through a Tim Hortons revolt, man. Like one of the only times Canadians get angry. Good job. Thank you. Yeah. I, I was, I was proud that we got through it successfully, but are there, are there Tim Hortons in the States? I think there might be a couple in like New York, right? Yeah. I can't speak to the entire U S I don't know, but I do know there are some in Michigan. I, I saw someone I was in Detroit. Rad. Yeah. It's very close to the uh, Canadian border. So I don't know. I imagine maybe it's the same at other sort of border cities, but I don't know. I, I feel like we need one down here. We need to introduce the, the American people or a majority of the American people to Tim Hortons. I do know that in the plate, there may be one in New York because I have heard of these Tim Hortons in the States are these sort of places where Canadians will gather, which is kind of cool. It's sort of like having the Canadian embassy um, as a coffee Tim shop. The, yeah. Tim, just go to any Tim Hortons here and be at a Canadian embassy. Yeah. <laughs> you can start using A, you know, very uh, frequently and, and relaxed. Dude, yes, that's so good. <laughs> I get, I get, I watch a bit of hockey and it's like my, that's like my favorite sport to watch on TV. And they always got the Tim Hortons sponsors on the side. Like, oh, yeah. It, oh gosh, it makes me miss Canada. I haven't been back in a year, and I know that's realistically not that long. But I feel like I'm making two or three wow. trips, a, two or three trips a year to either Tofino or Halifax or now the Great Lakes too. Yeah, wow. COVID is hindering your uh, Tim Hortons coffee intake, man. No, how? Wow. How dare, how dare COVID? Yeah, seriously. All right, dude. Let's get into some surfing, man. So let's do it. Yeah. So you are, you know, one of the big things you're known for, obviously, is you're you're the air you're the airman. You're like the new Michael Jordan, but the Michael Jordan of surfing. And it seems to me like Stab High, Freak of the Peak was what really it was a big sort of coming out party for you, right? It was. It uh, it was cool that the guys at Stab kind of. I, I I don't feel like they took a chance on me, but I felt like I finally proved to them that I, I, I could be in those events and hang with them and with the best in the world air wise and kind of got the invite. And I was just, dude, it was such a, such an honor to be invited to that event. And so I, I really just wanted to go and, and show that I could hang with the best of them. And I'd had that, freak peak flip in mind for a long time coming before I even was event invited to the event. And it, 
it was so cool how it worked out. Like it was the warm up day and I had, I had asked for that free peak wave and the first one they sent me kind of misfired. So it, it was kind of a dud and they're like, go back out, go back out, do it again. And I tried it and I, I guess I got it. It would have been second try, but it was like the, the first one. Um, and as soon as I landed that thing, it, it just felt like I was so pumped Wow! and everybody was there on the, on the like pool side, looking in and all my idols that I look up to were kind of sitting there. I was like, wow, that was wow. such a cool moment. And then to follow it up and get second in the event the next day was, um, was really cool. So it, it kind of proved to those guys that I could hang with the best and, and compete with the best in the world at airs, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It, and that was such a cool experience. And I'm so excited to kind of see more of those events come, come about. And we just did the same event in Indonesia back in November, which was so rad. Like, so these, these events, you're able to do them in pools, you're able to do them in the ocean. And, and that's been really cool. So I definitely have used the air shows as kind of my professional platform. I feel like. I love that air show. It sounds like you're flying a jet. So you know, the, uh, the, fl- the flip that you did, so it was a backflip, correct? Correct. Now, when I watched that video, I watched it several times. Obviously, it's incredible. But as a guy who, you know, doesn't do any flips, it's sort of like any flip I see looks incredible. So what is it about that particular wave or the backflip? What, tell us, to us guys who are stuck on the ground, what made it so spectacular? Well, I guess it, the big thing about that flip was the wave that it was done on, which, so the, uh, the engineers at Perfect Swell American Wave Machines designed this freak peak wave. And it was, it basically was a mutant wave. And it was almost a challenge to the surf world as like who can do the craziest flip or air, whatever you want to call it off of this man-made mutant. So it, it, the wave itself that I did it on was not a user-friendly wave by any means. It wasn't, it was almost like this weird challenge where it's like, if somebody lands something off this, it's going to be like break the internet or it's going to go viral or whatever. And a couple guys I believe Pat Schmidt and Shane Borland were guys who did pretty off of that way, the free peak. And they, so when the stab high guys put the free peak challenge up as like a, it was a prize or, or a subdivision of the stab high event, um, I had had that flip in mind that I was working on or, and in, in the ocean, I couldn't do it. And I knew that was the way I, I could do it on. So, and, and the flip differs from other backflips in the grab. So instead of just grabbing like your rail straight in front of you, I was reaching across my board and behind me okay. and then pulling over my shoulder a little differently than, um, than your traditional backflip. So 
it was def it was still a backflip just with a corrupt grab um, oh, okay. was the difference. So that was like, it was so cool. And that, that speaks to te the technology of the wave pool too, just to, to give the platform to surfers who are working on something in the ocean where they might only have one or two sections that are perfect for that maneuver mm. in the ocean, like putting it on repeat in the pool. Yeah. But just the way it kind of transpired for me that I was able to do it first try in the pool, it was like, oh my wow. gosh. So that was that was the story behind the flip. And so like, it would be hard to find this mutant wave. It would be difficult to find one like that in the ocean to even practice on it. Totally. Like yeah. I was I was surfing waves like the wedge in Newport Beach. Um, there's a couple waves up north, one of them, Point Magoo, it's on an Air Force base. And um how fitting. Those, yeah, those waves, like they have that similar tendency to to almost overwedge and mutate on themselves. Okay. So, so they're getting like this, like they're just angry looking, not user-friendly waves, but that was the kind of wave I needed to do this trick on, basically. And I just I the pool was so cool. Like I knew right away that that was what I was going to do it on. So, wow. um, that, that was like the flip. And then the, the rest of the event was cool too. And, and just to kind of be able to surf and do that in front of the guys that I looked up to, like I was, I was surfing against my heroes. I felt like, which was, cool the, to put something down like that in front of those guys. I was like, Oh, what a, just what a cool experience. Yeah. That's like you graduated. Like you went from, you know, grade school and you went right into high school. It's like you skipped grade eight or something, right? That would have been awesome. Yeah. I, I feel like I kind of was the, the local pro in San Clemente to being more on a, a bit of an international scale in that, yeah, I guess that was like my coming to Jesus moment in the <laughs> professional surfing, professional surfing aspect. Nice. Right on. Um, so, you know, on the subject of airs, um, you know, how does one get good at being in the air? How does one get comfortable and even, you know, feeling those stillness in the moments to even think to, like you said, twist this way and grab that. I mean, time goes so fast when you're, when you're flying in the air. So how do you perfect those maneuvers? That gosh, you waste a lot of waves for sure. Like mm. when I was younger and I was trying airs, it's just repetitive over and over and over and you're blowing sections and you're getting frustrated, but like anything, you just got to keep at it and kind of, you got to want it obviously, but for me, I, I felt comfortable in the air. I, I, I just felt like that was what I was good at. Um, and body awareness would be a big part of it, I suppose. So just being mindful of where your body's at when you're surfing and when you're reaching for your board, like knowing your hand placement and where your legs are going and your arms are going and, and just kind of having body control. Um, I, I always 
tell people who ask me about airs to just kind of work on being comfortable with having your body in the air and just being mindful of where your limbs are at, mm-hmm. you know, um, which takes time. I, I, I guess I had when I was younger, like a, a knack for being in the air. Like I think I even did gymnastics when I was younger for okay. like a year or two. Right. Um, just when I was like a super grom, I, I was frothing on like doing trampoline stuff. And yeah. that actually is, is a cool way to train for surfing in that yeah. aspect. you're kind of on a trampoline. If you can get a skateboard under you Ooh. or um, just building leg strength to get that pop. I've always been able to jump high. Um, and I think that translates into my air surfing as well. How about high jump and like track and field where you good at high jump? I, yes, but <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't good compared. I, I was good for my size. Like okay. I, I was a super late bloomer in, in high school. Like I feel like I didn't go through puberty until I was like a junior or a senior in high school, you know? So yeah. Uh, all the, all the guys were always way bigger than me. Like I was always the little guy. Yeah. Um, so I could, I could jump for my size and I could, I was agile for my size, but once I kind of got like older hit puberty and went through that, like once I got into my like late teens is, is when I, that really translated well into my surfing. Oh, okay. um, and then I was kind of keeping up with, with the best of them then, I guess. Right on. So in high jump, you would need to propel yourself, but in surfing, I mean, you have the benefit of being, you're basically on a ramp, correct? Like the way you're propelling. Yeah. I felt like when I was smaller and all the other guys were like big, strong, powerful guys, I I could still use the power of the wave to like project me. Mm. And that was, that was a big thing with surfing is it was as much about flow as it was being strong and fit. So just cause I wasn't like the biggest, strongest guy in the water didn't mean that I didn't have the same flow or like timing on a wave. And so I got, I felt like I was able to kind of work on getting better at those things. And then my body caught up later. Oh, I see. That Lots of mistakes got... and a body awareness. Okay. I get it. Yeah. yeah. So that, and it was funny, like, I always was competing in the NSSAs and the WSAs and I would make finals. I wouldn't really win that often. And then one year I did the NSSA nationals and like my first national championship trophy, I I won their air show. Nice. And I felt like that was just like, okay, you're, you can do air shows, Kev. Like you might not, (laughs) I don't really have a, I don't have a huge desire to qualify for the tour. I, if I was just thrown onto the tour randomly without having to go to the qualification process, I think I would be totally fine with being there, but I really like the direction that the air show thing is going right now and yeah. being involved in that. And um, like there's stab highs, there's Red Bull airbornes and, and they're associated with the tour events, but I think they're a little more my speed and my style of surfing. And um that's just, that's what I've enjoyed in surfing. And I've never been a big wave guy. Um, it's, it's, 
I don't mind surfing big waves, but I wouldn't consider myself like a big wave guy who's crazy comfortable in huge barrels. Like, yeah, just, I wasn't brought up on that where I live. Um, but that's the cool thing is there's so many different avenues in surfing right now that, that you could be a professional in. Yeah. Professional airman. Yeah, I guess so. That's great. I, yeah. I still do turns here and there, but you know, <laughs> so if you're just, if you go surfing like regular, you know, going down the line, do you get kind of bored? Do you need that air element to really keep you no. stimulated or? No, not oh, necessarily. Okay. Um, like I find myself going out in and still doing turns and just trying to have a good flow and style through the wave. And of course, if the air section is there, that's like, that's what gets me really excited, which why I find wave pools like wickedly fascinating. Mm. They, they have engineered air sections, like yeah, wow. the perfect swell pool. That thing is designed for air surfing, but when I'm just going every day, I go down to Lowers or T Street or Salt Creek or whatever, and I'll hang out with with my friends. And they're like, if they're QS focused, I'll I'll run heat with those guys or girls. And um, I still really enjoy doing turns, and I think that's very important. It's a very important aspect of surfing. Still, it can't. It's not all airs for me. I think that's just what I find a lot of joy doing. Yeah, and that's your competitive realm. That's where you really own it. Correct. So nice. It yeah. And unfortunately, man, we we haven't got the chance to compete um like air show wise, with the exception of Stab High that we did in Indonesia. And even even so, like that was a competition. But the cool thing about that is it spanned over 11 days. Nobody lost. There was just a winner. Okay. Was, I thought that was the coolest format, man. Like it was almost a no pressure format. So everybody could go out and just go absolutely, absolutely psycho and not have to worry about falling and surf as much as you want all day. So there's those really cool avenues of how to run an air show nowadays too, that it's not a strictly like a heat that you go out and you win or lose. And I, I guess that part of the, air surfing is kind of attractive to me as well. So it might be a little premature to say this, but with surfing, you know, entering the Olympics, you know, I, I wonder this could be a potential event one day on the big stage. I, I wonder, man, it's, uh, I, I'd imagine they'll probably keep surfing to its traditional format in the Olympics of, mm. of, competition but who's to say there's not room for evolution there you know i mean yeah. this this is going to be our first go at the olympics surfing skating as well yeah and i guess it's it's almost like a test run this year it's i mean not to say that it's a test run for the people who have qualified because they're the best but yeah. we're going to see how it transpires on the world stage and in in front of viewers who have never really seen surfing. So yeah. I guess if it doesn't engage as well as they want it to, it's something that a format has to change. Now, if that's an air show, I don't know. 
but there's there's room for not improvement but evolution in that sense i guess i think the beaches are crowded now that that would be interesting when surfing hits the olympics to see what sort of ripple effect that has on yeah the commonplace of it all or people's interest in it totally and i guess too like there's a lot of wave pools popping up nowadays and Mm -hmm. It like let's say surfing just absolutely booms as a sport when the Olympics premiere. Um, those wave pools are kind of almost gonna come to the rescue of people who don't have access to an ocean to a lake that's big enough to surf. Um, it's it's kind of a cool time to be involved yeah. in all this, you know. Absolutely, it's, it's unique. I mean, freshwater surfing is not strictly in a, in a lake or a pool; like it's a little hybrid of both and. Um, I'm, I'm really excited to see how that transpires in the future with people who are living in landlocked states or provinces or whatever, having the access to a wave pool and like, it's going to be cool. The next 20, have you done the, uh, have you done the river waves before? No, I haven't. I know I've heard about a couple in Montreal, Mm -hmm. um, or, or I'm not sure how many there are. There's one in Montreal. There's one in Ottawa, but the big the big place is uh, Alberta. It's something called the Kananaskis River. Pretty sufficient sized wave there. Really? Yeah. Now, do they when they're doing those? Like, do they sink in any objects into the river so it kind of like makes the wave stand up? I've seen. Yeah. Some- so uh, he called that a berm. Okay. Yeah. I'll send you some information on that later. That's pretty rad. Yeah, I think that's your next. I'd love to see you get some air on a river wave. Dude, let's do it. Yeah. I'm I'm super into that. Yeah, yeah. It's really becoming big in Alberta where you'd fit in really good with that hat as well. And uh, yeah, for sure, man. That's the only Canadian kind of component you haven't done yet. You've done the freshwater, you've done each coast. Now you need to hit up those river waves. I know. I think it's time that, yeah. uh, that'd be fun. I I've surfed like, um, it was the flow rider in San Diego when they had it down there or they still do. And I, I guess that would be my most similar experience to river surfing. Yeah, It's way different. Like having water push underneath you in your stationary versus water standing up as as a wave and then you're moving down the line like yeah it's such a different feel i feel like you'd have to be it's a it's almost different than surfing so from end to end in those pools that you've been in from from surfing from end to end how long would that take like how long of a ride could you get so the perfect swell out in texas and waco um I think that's about a 15 second ride, 10 to 15 second ride, which I mean, you're fitting five or six turns in on that wave Mm -hmm. and it's, and there's a lot of waves where, um, and then I just had the treat of surfing Kelly Slater's wave pool about two weeks ago, three, Mm -hmm. three weeks ago. And that is almost a minute long ride. Wow. And like my legs were screaming it that day. It was it was crazy. Like if you're surfing away from point A 
all the way through to the end, it is, it's a leg burner. Wow. So, and they're just different styles of waves too. The, uh, Kelly's Kelly's pulls are right and left and they have a few different styles based on the speed that they pull the pulley and the, uh, the perfect swell technology that's out there in Waco, they are able to make the air section or a barrel section. And, um, so they're really, there's so many different technologies out there Whoa. that are, are changing surfing. It's, it's quite cool. Yeah. It's exciting. You're right, man. Uh, coming from the great lakes, I am stoked. Uh, I was speaking with Dom Domic from, uh, surf Canada. And he was telling me about, there's about three wave pools in the works in Canada. So we could be having readier access to waves, which is, sounds like a great thing. Yeah. When those lakes freeze over, you got a place to go. That might be, uh, yeah. be able to surf in board shorts, huh? That's my life right now, man. It's, uh, frozen out here. Is it completely frozen right now? It's not completely, but it's uh, definitely a big portion of it. We've been talking about the air stuff, man. So, hey, I put out a question on social media, but I wanted to know from people, I wanted them to finish this statement, either one of two statements. Kevin spends so much time in the air that blank, or you could say Kevin jumps so high that, so that's the idea. So anyway, the public came up with two. So here we go, man. Here's some that people came up with. Kevin spends so much time in the air that his landings are smoother than SpaceX rockets. Ooh, wow. How's that for a compliment? Yeah. That is a compliment. You're like Thank the, you to whoever said that. Chris Dubay, you're like the, the Tesla of surfing, I guess. Chris Dubay is the organizer of the Wasashka uh, Surf Gathering on Lake Superior, which I think you should. Uh, we should all go to someday, man. Dude, let's go. I want to get yeah. some of that Superior groundswell. Yeah, that would be the place to go and really meet the tribe. Deborah McDonald says, Kevin spends so much time in the air that the birds are jealous. Not bad, like not that. bad. Yeah. I like that. Okay, here's a few that I came up with. Uh, Kevin spends so much time in the air that American Airlines mm-hmm. has to reroute when they fly over San Clemente. <laughs> I like that. That's okay. a good one. Uh, Kevin spends so much time in the air that many birds have died due to him interfering with their migratory flight patterns. Never hit a bird, have definitely come close to hitting drones. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that happens. The drone the drone zone has been getting, like, pretty pretty busy out here lately. Yeah. It's, uh, everybody's got drones. It's cool, though. Yeah. I like it. That's funny, though, how all of a sudden there's these things just hovering over you guys while you're surfing, eh? That and, like, the confidence of the drone pilots, too. Like they're not afraid of putting a drone within two or three feet of you while you're surfing. Really? Wow. Yeah. It's pretty impressive, really. And I would think that a big, yeah, and a big wave, I'm sure it could just grab this thing and you'd never see it again. I think they're having almost like, I think they're having issues out in Hawaii at pipe when it's, when the waves are firing. Yeah. They're having issues with how many drones, like there's been a couple collisions of drones at pipeline. Okay. Wow. 
<laughs> just because of how many people are trying to film. <laughs> wow. The times we live in, we need to uh, come up with the drone traffic control. All right, man. And the last one I wrote was Kevin spent so much time in the air that even Phil Collins couldn't feel him coming in the air. Oh, wow. I like Phil. <laughs> Phil's a good dude. Yeah. Dude. Uh, realistically, I think I spent <laughs> so much time in the air that my head hurts because when I come down and fall, I've, I've caused myself a few head injuries too, just oh, okay. like from pure slapping on the water. Um, it's, uh, I, I, I talked about this with, with the, actually another friend of mine, I did a podcast with on uh, firewire, mm. like it's crazy. Just hitting your head on the water will totally rock your, rock your world. Like I've had a couple weird head injuries that have a couple days of dizziness after, you know, like I've been strongly considering wearing a helmet lately. Mm especially if there's waves of consequence going around. Wow. Or just that hat. Yeah. Or just the hat. The that gives hat you a radius. Pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you wouldn't exactly think surfing is the sport of getting concussed, but I guess it could happen. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it's uh, and it's usually on the days you don't expect it. You know, I find myself getting hurt more on, on small days than when the waves are pumping. Just, it's like you're messing around and, and things go wrong quick. Body awareness going back to that, like kind of almost disregard you're like, Oh, I'll be fine. And then board to the head or, or, uh, head onto rock. Yeah. Now when we fall off a board, we're taught, you know, do a starfish or fall back. I mean, what is the strategy when you're up in the air board is disconnected from you i mean where do you go in relation to your board i mean like i mean not not every time but usually when i'm falling trying airs i'm i'm trying to land the air still until the last second when i know it's just not possible um so the biggest thing for me is just getting like the nose of the board away from my face and my eyes um and just covering my head so it's like if i'm surfing a wave that's reef or or hard pack sand or whatever it's just like protecting your head with your hands or your shoulder or whatever and tucking in because neck injuries and spinal cord injuries and head injuries are no fun Uh, so i'm just i'm just trying to get away from my board as quick as i can um, away from the fins away from the nose and and I mean, it doesn't always work. Like, got scars from it, but it comes with the territory. So, what are some of the injuries you've gotten doing the broken nose? Or I, I've had just a couple weird concussions, um, couple slaps, and then lately on this on the trip to Indonesia at Stab High, I I broke my hand. Oh, which I've broken twice doing a very similar air each time, and both times I broke it, I first one I broke my second metacarpal and the second time I broke my fourth metacarpal and all I did was do an air and I tried to land the air or catch my board in midair it got stuck in weird position I basically crushed my board or I'm sorry I crushed my hand in between my board and the weight of my body 
Mm. And so they were just little crush injuries, broken hand twice. Um, I broke my nose once surfing, not bad. It, it healed correctly. Um, but realistically I, I haven't had too many injuries that were horrible. Right on. Yeah. I've been fortunate in that sense. You're doing pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm looking at the cowboy hat, man. And I got to say also that cowboy hat, they also look pretty similar to a fireman's hat, which I understand you uh, are not just a surfer, but you also have another game plan. So tell us, you know, about the whole firefighter gig. Yeah, I... I, by no means am I a firefighter at all. I'm, I'm working towards it. Um, I grew up in a family of, of first responders. Basically my dad is a 33 year fireman who just retired, um, out of LA County. And my mom is an ICU nurse who actually now works for the fire department as their nurse educator. Oh, And dude, I, I have, I have so much respect for the men and the women in that position. And I've always been drawn to it. Yeah. You've probably um, had to use that service a few times yourself. Yeah. A couple of times. I mean, <laughs> just pulling people out of the water who are, who are in need of it and in that stuff. So I, right now I'm, I'm just going through the process of, of taking the steps to become a firefighter, you know, um, doing some tests and, I've put in some applications a few places and I, that's something that I enjoy doing, um, serving the community and helping people is, is what I like to do. Um, and I think the fire department is, is a great way to do that. I, so right now it's, it's not a, it's not a backup plan per se of surfing. It's something that I would like to do in conjunction with my with my career as a professional surfer. Yeah. Um, I think there's a lot of parallels between the two in of just being involved in your community. Yeah. And I almost feel like surfing was selfish in a way because I, I spent so much of my time committing to getting good at the sport. Mm. And I, I feel like I could put some of that time into helping the community as well. Um, so yeah, man, I, I'm just taking the steps to get there and I'm hoping that I get picked up by a department sometime in the future. Um, it's uh, a lot of my friends do it and it's a super cool career path. that still allows you to surf. It's, it's active. Like the guys and girls are kind of, they're working out, they're being in, they're involved in their community. And, um, yeah, I think I, that's just where I want to be in the next five years is, is working as a firefighter. And I'm just yeah. trying to take the steps to get there. Um, and I've had a lot of great people around me who have encouraged me to, uh, pursue that, that avenue as well as surfing. Um, and if I can kind of make both of them work at the same time, then that's the dream, man. Uh, yeah, that's a good dream. That's smart. Yeah. Finding something that works with the surfing. So you're not taking the surfing away. You're just no. enhancing it with some other life experience. That's great. Absolutely not. So I, I put myself through EMT school and got that license. And, um, 
potentially looking at an academy sometime in the future. And, and I'd like to be a paramedic at some point and, and have patient experience and get that hands-on. Um, my, my best friend is a paramedic and it's so cool to kind of see what he does. And, um, that's just, that's where I think that's where I want to be. It's a, it's a really cool career. I've got so, like I said, I've got so much respect for the men and women that, that do that. And, uh, it, it's, it's also, you can incorporate surfing into that lifestyle too. And if I can be, uh, if I can be a professional surfer and also a firefighter one day, it would be the, that's, that's the dream, man. It's kind of, it's, it's been a, it was kind of a quick change in, in heart. Like I, I felt like a lot of things were going really great in my career as a professional surfer. And then COVID kind of hit and made me realize that surfing is not the only thing that I'm interested in. I, I tried to, I was tried to basically buy my time well while COVID was going on and nothing was happening. I was like, you know what, dude, they're offering online classes for EMT. Like I'm going to put myself through that and just started taking the steps. And as I took each step, I realized how interested I was actually in that career path. So I, it's, it's kind of a fast, slow process. Like things happen quickly, but then there's a lot of downtime in between. So I'm just trying to balance the two and, and that's where I'm at. And, um, I've been, I've been enjoying, enjoying the process. Smart pick, man. Yeah. This working for a living really gets in the way of surfing. So if you can figure out how to make the two in harmony, man, you figured out the secret. That's what I'm, that's what I'm working towards right now. Trying to figure out, crack the code. Yeah, dude, I know. Aren't we all, it's a, it's, it's a weird code. And, and I like, if I can feel like it's not work in something that I enjoy, Yeah. gosh, that's, that's the best case scenario. For sure. And there's, I know there's younger, there's a younger generation that is, that is coming up. That's, aspiring to the professional surfing aspect and and i kind of want to be there for that generation too as so many guys and girls were there for me to help me kind of pursue my dream as a professional surfer and and also encourage that kind of branching out into to multiple different aspects of life too like there's there's time for a lot of different things and if I can kind of help guide a, the younger generation in in a good direction, whatever they want to do, yeah. then I'm stoked on that because I think that's important. And the youth is our future. Yeah, man, absolutely, dude. I really appreciate your uh, keeping it humble and and staying appreciative. Um, listening to you talk about surfing and the people that you were around. So obviously you were, you know, a bit of a fanboy in a way, like look up to some of these guys. And so when was that moment that you realized like, Oh my God, I'm doing this. Like I'm like Kelly Slater is over there and that's just normal now for me. Like, has that still even quite clicked in or. that? Yeah. I, I mean, Yes and no. It's, uh, you're always, you, I, you always have 
people that you look up to in life. And there's people in my life that I look up to that have no relation to the surfing world. And then, like you said, like there's, there's people like Kelly Slater and other professional surfers that I, that I look up to who I grew up with, I guess. Um, I, I really knew that I was doing it being a professional surfer when I was traveling the world and competing on this world on a world stage. And, um, that was kind of like, I realized like, that's, that's what we're after. And you're always setting goals as you go through that process. So it's not to say that I was never satisfied, but there's always like the next step that I was chasing. And now that I've had some time to kind of step back from it because we're, I haven't been competing. I haven't been involved in a competition. I like, I'm not leaving the state of California every other week mm. to, to travel somewhere to take a step back and be like, Oh my gosh, like I'm looking back at all these experiences that I've got to have. Yeah. I think the last year is when I really, noticed that that was i was kind of living the dream yeah. of of pursuing a professional surfing um and i i also that was when i realized also that there was guys and girls who took time out of their professional careers to help me and realize that i need to also do that same thing for the younger generation so whatever any anybody who listens to the podcast this what we're talking about like if they have any questions reach out to me i, I really try and, and and respond to people if they have questions like about that stuff and not that it, i'm any any great role model or anything but just from experience like if i can help anybody or the younger generation then i'm stoked to do it i i really am because there's a lot, like i said there's a lot of people who help me do that and continue to do that. Like it's, it's just a, it's a positive feedback loop if you make it. So when you're out on the surf and you've learned from your elders, are you learning about more than just surfing? Like, have you learned life lessons from these guys? I think I've learned more life lessons than, than surfing, you know, like surfing, you go out and you do you and, and you might have a coach or you might teach yourself and, and work on things yourself. But, um, the experience that I got from traveling and meeting new people, different cultures, um, and then the business aspect of it too. I mean, I, I went to college and I graduated college and I feel like, I feel like I've learned more from traveling and being around the world and interacting with people than I did from sitting in a classroom not i oh, mean yeah. i did my i my college was online but yep. just taking those little things so learning about how businesses work for example like going into to negotiating contracts or like just seeing how product would move through like like inventory of things and and that and then learning about how different people live in different places like i felt I feel like that taught me and continues to teach me more than college did. Sorry. Absolutely, man. Sorry, Northeastern University, yeah. but 
uh, yeah, school of life. It's, uh, so those experiences were cool, man. They, uh, I guess everywhere you go, you learn something new and I've learned the most from traveling and interacting with new people and meeting new people. It's been really cool. Amazing dude. It's pretty just, uh, yeah, man. Inspirational talking to you, hearing that, um, I guess because as an outsider, it's like you're talking about living the dream and you're like, man, this guy's a pro surfer. That sounds like that is the dream, but to see you, um, still searching for more and really needing that meaning in your life uh, of impacting people directly. I think that's pretty admirable. That's cool, man. Thank you. Yeah. It's and professional surfing. It, it's not, um, I mean, to some, to some people it is, but it's, it's, it's not always the most uh, financially sound mm. Avenue. Like it, yeah. it it's there it's a smaller industry in compared in comparison to a lot. And, um, if you're in it for the money, then I, I can't say that, it, that that's, I don't know. I, I just enjoy the experience that, that I've had with it and, uh, and getting to travel and see all these places and my sponsors. And I've, I've been so fortunate to, be involved with people and sponsorships that have allowed me to travel that, that much yeah. and get those experiences. So, um, like, yes, I'm a professional surfer, but it's not like I'm, um, balling out in some Hollywood mansion or yeah. well, like, I was going to say the gap, the, the wage gap, you know, I'm sure is, is pretty huge. I mean, think about major league baseball or NFL or something, right? Like you're a pro, you're a professional athlete, but surfing is not regarded in the U S anyway. It's not part of that same class, right? Like you're not making those NFL numbers that a guy just sitting on the bench is even making, right? No, not at all. Yeah. So that's kind of interesting. It's, it's definitely not that. (laughs) I, there is, I mean, there continues to be years or months that it's like, okay, like I, I didn't even break even, you know, it, it, but having those goals and setting goals and working towards them, um, is, is important. And like I said, if you're in it for the money, maybe, maybe another professional sport is, yeah. is more lucrative. Um, but there are guys that, that make that that get there and make that kind of money. Um, the John Johns, the Gabriels, and, and I'm not one to discourage anybody from pursuing that. Cause it's like, heck yeah, anybody can do it. You just got to put your mind in, in time and effort and, um, and you'll get there. So yeah. just one of those things, man, it's, uh, it's been great to, to have those experiences. Yeah. And to look back on your experiences and to know that they were spent in the ocean surfing. I mean, that's, that's incredible. So you're 25, right, Kevin? Around there? Yes. I'm 25 years old. Yeah. So you're 25 years old. Let's say you're 25 years old. You're broke, um, but you're surfing for a living. You're living it up. Guess what, man? When you're 30, when you're 35, when you're my age, I'm 38, you can still be broke. 
And it's like every day is starting over, you know, like tomorrow I'm going to work and I'm going to make money. So, yeah, you know, when I think about someone in your position, I think, man, who cares? You are surfing. You're in a dream spot right now. Um, The money doesn't always match up, but man, sounds like a pretty awesome life at the moment. Totally dude. And, and it's just about setting those goals and, and trusting the process a little bit. And if you, and if you have those goals that you can work towards, like I, I'm a firm believer that everything happens for a reason. And in that, when you set goals and try and accomplish them, that, that things will start working, you know, and it, whatever time they start working at is, is the time, you know, it's like the time will be right when the time's right. It's funny, though, how you said, you know, you're not uh, rolling up in limousines or whatever, because the optics of, you know, seeing pro surfers in magazines and with the sponsors, I mean, that kind of paints the picture of what we think you guys might be up to. Right. So to hear for me, I've talked to yourself and I've talked to several others and I've kind of seen um, what it looks like behind the curtain now like firsthand for, through, through these dialogues. Yep. Um, so it's interesting, but it still just sounds like, oh man, when I think about my day and all the paperwork I did, if I was, <laughs> if I was surfing instead, oh, that would have been great. But uh, yeah, still working on the dream. 38 years old, still working on the dream to figure out a way I, to surf I more like and that. work less. And dude, this, like, I think this podcast is, is actually a really unique way to, to just bring in different perspectives. And I, I like hearing other people's stories and, and that's a cool way to connect with people and who knows what's to come of it. You know, I think that's, that's a, it's, it's admirable. And it's like, who knows? Like it's, it could be something. So there's something so unique about connecting with people from all over the world. I appreciate that, man. Yeah. I'm the podcast is a dream. Um, six months in over 5,000 hits, 24 amazing guests. The roster just keeps growing. Uh, now I'm at a point where I'm, I've realized like, this is basically, it is a good thing. The water's frozen right now, man, because this is all I've been doing is this podcast. So I need to find out a way. So I want to start bringing in some sponsors and start making this a bit profitable for me with hopes that maybe like you're saying, this could maybe be the only thing eventually that would be absolutely awesome. There's, but like you're saying, there are stories to be told and they are fascinating Absolutely. <laughs> and, uh, I, I think it's cool too. Like the, the great lakes, the great lakes surf community is it for it being so landlocked per se, mm. the, the community can be interlinked and, and a podcast like this is, is a great way to kind of introduce people from the community and outside of the community to the community. Um, it, it, it's like, you guys have such a diverse, um, like diverse geographic location and to kind of have like different people tell different stories. Like I said, I was listening to Larry's podcast. Yeah. I only listened to 10 minutes 
just because I, I didn't realize he was the first guest and I saw that today and I was like, <laughs> this is so rad. And so I listened to 10 minutes of him and him talking about like the stoke of the lakes community and what it's done for his life and the story he he's told. Um, that's, that's something that you can share with other people. And I, that's so rad. I love that. There are some colorful characters on the great lakes. You're right. Larry's one of them. Um, are you familiar with uh, surfer Dan at all? Surfer Dan. I'm not. Yeah. You gotta check that out, man. Surfer Dan, uh, even just type in vice TV surfer Dan. He's, he's the, uh, sort of the king of the ice beards. You'll appreciate that video a lot. You want to see yeah. stoke and I'll, I'll send you some stuff. Um, when I remember at some point and, uh, please do. Yeah. Yeah. Dude. So we didn't even really go into your origins of surfing or anything like that. I think it seems to me like you are a friend of Permastoke. I think we'll have you back. Yeah, please. Anytime I'd be stoked yeah. to come back on and break it down and, and, uh, and bring new stories. Like, I mean, yeah, I feel like we, we could touch on a lot more and probably kill a few more hours if we needed. For sure, man. So, hey, come on back to Canada and let me know when you're coming, dude. We got to go hit some surf together. Let's do it, dude. I'm yeah. keen for a Great Lakes trip. As soon as those borders open back up, I'm uh, yeah. I'm activating. Awesome. Let me know, man. And, uh, yeah, I want to make it out to the East Coast again. It's been a while since I've been there. And, uh, yeah, Scotty told me he'd keep a spot in the basement floor warm for me. So I am game to go hit those swells again. Scotty's got more room than just the basement. Okay. <laughs> I think you could sleep in a better room in the basement. Okay. You're right on. All right. So I'm not stuck to the concrete floor. Exactly. Nice. All right, man. Well, Hey, before I quite let you go, I do like to ask people, what else are you stoked about, man, when you're not surfing? Um, gosh, I am. I'm so stoked on my family and um, I am so stoked on my girlfriend and her family. Like we've been dating for almost nine years. Uh, Yeah. So we met in high school and I'm just so fortunate to have the people around me that I do. Um, I'm, I'm stoked on that. And family and friends are, are just, I've been so blessed with those that, aspect of my life and that that's what keeps me going every wow. day man. i'm still saying all the right things man nice thank you so and you've had a lot of time like you said covid you know it's kind of slowed the world down so anything you've been watching reading listening to anything good these days you know i i kind of ripped into a couple books in like late december january okay. and i I started them and didn't finish. I've been trying to juggle my time with studying um, fire stuff and then also reading and then definitely get sucked into the social media vortex every once in a while. Yeah. Just being completely honest. Uh, But I've been reading a cool book by a guy named Jordan Peterson. It's called 12 rules to life. And it's kind of a cool book. He, he, he's a psych psychologist and he's got a a really interesting way of writing. Um, and then I've also been reading a book called the ecology of commerce and that's just breaking down like the, the current 
well, it's not even current. I guess the book was written quite a while ago, but it talks about how um, being eco-friendly and having the mindset of not, uh, yeah, capitalism, I suppose, don't have to be mutually exclusive. Like you can be eco-friendly and still make money. Um, and I, I've been reading up on that a little bit. I just, just with things flying around in the media, how it is, I, I like to read different perspectives and then um, make my own judgments as to yeah. things, you know, it's, because it feels like how media is, it's like, it's one way or the other with mm. that's a whole nother conversation. You know, it's like yeah. one way or the other with, you're eco-friendly or you're capitalistic. Well, it's like, oh, they don't have to be mutually exclusive. So that's a book that I've been reading. Um, 12 Roots of Life by Jordan Peterson's cool. And he, he breaks things down like uh, uh, from a, a social psychology. Did you say 12 Rules of Life? Yeah, 12 Rules Rule. of okay. Life. 12 Rules to Life um, written by a guy named Jordan Peterson. He's He's a real smart dude and he kind of like, I like the analogies he makes. Um, so been reading up on that. Nice. Nice. And yeah. That's, the environmental that's kinda... topic is really interesting to me too. I spoke with uh, a representative from Surfrider a couple days ago. So that episode will be coming up and they, she really goes into what you're talking okay. about. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, dude, that's, that, that's a, that's big in our world right now, I suppose. Um, yeah. And hey, I want to ask you, are you oh sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I'm are you a big Nirvana fan? Not really, if I'm being no? honest. Okay. I, I I like Nirvana. I'm not a big Nirvana fan. Do you know why I ask you that? Why is that? Because your social media picture, man. It's like the it looks like oh, the it cover is of Nevermind. Yeah. That's uh I did a trip with except you're wearing clothes, which is good. I know I yeah. <laughs> Probably uh, that way I don't violate the community guidelines and get booted from social media. Um, no, nah, I did a trip with Pete DeVries, Noah Cohen, and Marcus Palladino and Nate Laverty down to Mexico. And and we were like messing around, shooting photos in the pool. And that's where that one came okay. from. Yeah. I got to figure out a role for myself to get on these tours. Dude, come along. Just yeah. just sign up we all we all chip in to uh our portion and then go on a surf trip and then we can do podcasts down in mexico yeah right on i i'm down for that sometime man yeah once things get you like you're saying they open up a little bit i'll have to make that happen let's do it so dude thanks for coming on the show where can people connect with you man or talk to you online Derek, thanks for having me, dude. Uh, I, you guys can always reach out to me on social media. It's just Instagram. I don't really, I have Facebook, but Instagram is best. My username is at Kevin underscore Schultz. S-C-H-U-L-Z is how my last name is spelled. So any questions, hit me up. Happy to help. And uh, thanks for having me on today. I appreciate it. Awesome. It's been great, dude. Canada loves you. Permastoke loves you. I love you, man. Thanks, dude. Thank you. Sorry to uh, sorry for getting all the Canadian questions wrong. I'll brush up on my uh, Canadianism. No, that was awesome, man. It's totally awesome. And that's all for season two, episode number eight of Permastoked. 
I hope you guys enjoyed listening or watching that one. And hey, out there in Grand Haven, Michigan, that one was for you, buddy. That one was dedicated to the Great Lakes Surf Grom. And again, I want to give a big mahalo to my pal Kevin Schultz for being a stellar guest on the show and for letting us all take a peek into his world. And man, thanks for rocking that cowboy hat the entire interview. That was a bonus. If any of you would like to connect with Kevin Schultz, please seek him out on Instagram at Kevin underscore Schultz, last name spelled S-C-H-U-L-Z. And don't forget, head over to YouTube and check out the backflip that he did at the Freak of the Peak. Peace. to give a big mahalo to Mark Malibu and the Wasegas for providing our intro music Hey Chihuahua off their 2019 album Crash Monster Beach and our outro music End of Summer off their 2017 album Return of the Wasegas. For more information visit www.wasegas.com. Mahalo to the Planet Smashers as well and Stomp Records for allowing us to play Surfing in Tofino off their 1999 album Life of the Party. You can visit them at www.stomprecords.com. And to the Scrapes, mahalo for providing Wait and See off your 2018 self-titled album, Scrapes. For more information on Scrapes, visit www.scrapesmusic.bandcamp.com. But of course, mahalo to all you great listeners out there. We are so thankful that you chose to join us for this episode. And we look forward to providing you with even more awesome content in the future. More episodes are certainly on their way, but in the meantime, make sure to go back and listen to our previous episodes. And don't miss an episode ever again by subscribing on the Alexa app, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Podbean, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, or wherever it is, man, that you get your podcast, we are there. So please let us know how we're doing. Leave us a rating and a review. And don't forget to share this with your friends and family over social media or by spreading the word in the lineup. You can learn more about Freshwater Surf Goods and check out our products and services at www.freshwatersurfgoods.com. You can even sign up for our newsletter so you can stay up to date on new products, new episodes of Permastoke, events, our surf sup and yoga schedules, and other exciting news. And hey, you can even find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter all at Freshwater Surf Goods. But if you're a part of the surf or sup industry or a surfaholic wanting to connect with your tribe and stay informed as to what's happening all across the Great Lakes and the Canadian surf scene, then join our Facebook group, the All Canadian Surf and Sup Club. And as well, if you've got an idea for a collaboration, you'd like to recommend a future guest, you'd like to invite me to an event or book me to teach surf, sup or yoga, or maybe you wanna carry our products in your store, or your company is interested in being a sponsor of this show, or for anything else, hit me up on social media or email me at Derek at freshwatersurfgoods.com. That's Derek, D-E-R-I-K at freshwatersurfgoods.com. I look forward to next time, Freshies, and getting to know you all better. In the meantime, I'm your host, Derek Hyatt. Mahalo, keep surfing, and stay stoked.